This episode is brought to you by Revolver Studios, Portland's own homegrown recording studio and music production house, run by musicians for musicians. Revolverstudios.org. This is the Portland Film Podcast, and I'm your host, Molly Silverstein. Our guest today is Jerry Bell Jr., an actor, director, and producer, with credits like Z Nation, Grimm, Leverage, The Librarians, to just name a few. Our listeners might also recognize Jerry from his deep couch sitting Swiffer commercial. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we were talking about the Swiffer commercial with your son, who is just so adorable, and the commercial is so great. What was it like acting with your son? It was an amazing experience. Um, you know, I went in to audition for it, and um, they were looking for a single father, um, a national search, and they went through talent agencies because um, they didn't want anyone who would be shy in front of the camera, right. freeze up in front of the camera. Right, so, of and um, yeah, I went in. I was actually in a bad mood that day, so I was really <laughs> surprised when they called me back. But they were looking for a single father, and they, you know, doing more interviewing than anything, and they asked me to come back with um, Little Jerry, and. Uh, I mean, he was kind of shy. He's going through the shy phase. Oh, really? Because he's done, like, television stuff. It's just he's going through a shy phase, and he spent the whole time hiding behind me. Oh. So I figured, like, all right, <laughs> we don't have that. And, um, and then we got a call. They wanted to do a Skype at my house, check out my place. And I think Jerry kind of got him. He, um, he was, you know, just amazed by the Skype the oh, conversation. Really? <laughs> we, had, we had the agency, you know, a room full of people on the other side, and he was – you know, just just amazed by it, and you know, he get an umbrella while we're talking, and <laughs> and you'll see an umbrella slowly coming to the screen, <laughs> and they were just laughing, man, and uh, yeah, so and you know, they came and came into our house, and they brought a crew from New York. You know, I got into this industry, and you know, I just developed a passion for acting, and uh, and um. You know, I see it as an avenue. I'm learning something new later on in my life, and it's something I can show him, you know, um, just give him a different perspective on how I grew up, you know. I never would have thought about, you know, being on film, but having him there, um, i say he's been the best scene partner I've ever worked with. Oh, that's so sweet. But the connection, you know, we have this connection. So everything was fluid and organic and real. And I think that's why that commercial was so successful. So you said that you know you wanted to show your son, son something about how you grew up, or did you grow up here in Portland? Or no, um, I grew up um, primarily in Atlanta, Georgia. Lived there until I was twelve. Okay. My dad was in the military. You know, my mom and dad weren't together, and um, I went to go stay with him during my teenage years. And I traveled as a military brat. Ended up graduating high school in Germany. Came back to Atlanta. You know, decided I wanted to go in the Air Force. So I went to Air Force for eight years. Um, during that time, I was going to school, taking classes. Got a degree in electronics principles. At the end of my military career, which was about eight years, I got hired on at Intel Corporation. I worked for Intel for 16 years. Got here and um, I got into the, the film industry. You know. how, so how did that happen? Or I mean, it seems like you've, you've lived many lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been all over. Um, well, I was dating this girl <laughs> whose friend was a casting agent and she was always talking to me about hey you have a good look you know you should think about doing some acting 
And I was not interested at all. No. You know? I said, I want people sitting there looking at me, judging me, you know, especially the audition process when you go in and, and they're in your face, right? So I didn't want to do it. Um, one weekend they called me, it was like a Thursday, and the guy they had for this Toyota commercial, um, he's coming from LA, he backed out, and they wanted a big black guy mm-hmm. like me to um, to play the role. They have these they had these new trucks. Mm-hmm. They wanted to show how much space they had. So, and um, she told me how much they was paying for two days of work over the weekend. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got it. I'll be there. You know, I, I don't know how to act, but I'll I'll be there. She said, all you got to do is ride around smiling all day. So uh, I thought it was gonna be easy, but it was really tough to do that because. Yeah, tell me about that. Well, um, first of all, my my first experience was amazing because I was a principal on a t- on a commercial, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got there and I was running late. I remember I was running late because I was really nonchalant about it, and uh, I didn't take it serious, right? Mm-hmm. I show up and uh, the PA production assistant runs up with a walkie-talkie. Jerry Bell's here. Jerry <laughs> Bell's here. I'm like, oh my god, you know. So they rushed me to the makeup table, to the makeup chair, and uh, and she's just, you know, just calming me down. Like, don't worry, just relax. She's massaging my scalp, you know. Oh <laughs> what do you want to eat? What do you want to drink? <laughs> and I'm late, right? I'm running. I'm late, so I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> and uh, they treated me like that the entire day. And she, I said, you guys do that for everybody. <laughs> she said, my job today is to keep you happy. Wow. Yeah, because I had to be smiling the whole time. And, wow. And I wasn't used to the repetition of cut, back to one, yep. cut, back to one. It's harder than it looks, eh? Hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the smiling was, was easy to about halfway through the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the look in your eyes sort of starts to fade as you get tired. Right. <laughs> and, but when you're driving a truck and smiling, yeah. <laughs> and they're telling me back to one, so I got to turn around, drive back up the highway. But, uh, no... You know, I met a lot of nice people, and I got, you know, got to visit places in Portland I probably would never have visited to this day. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's what kind of grabbed me in the industry and getting out and meeting people. Because at Intel, I worked as an engineer for a long time, and, you know, you're just in a little lab pretty mm-hmm. much with, you know, your work crew, and it's the same thing over and over again. So, And I am an um, extrovert, so I like to get out and be in front of people. As, you know, as someone that like, – Worked at Intel, and now you're you're an actor. I mean, in Portland, what are some of the issues, sort of specific to being an actor in Portland? Well, I mean, being an, being an actor in Portland, um, the struggles, I think, are that there's a there's a glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. I think Portland's great um, as an actor, um, as a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't mean to put it down, but there's not a lot of money circulating here in Portland, so there's not a lot of big productions. Right, and 99% of the talent here have to do it full-time. I mean, mm-hmm. they can't do it full-time. Right, right. Okay. They have to, yeah, they have to um, have a job to support themselves. And um, so, you know, although we have some some great, you know, broadcast television shows, um, we only have so much money for incentives. So, you know, people aren't running up here to make movies. Yeah. Um, and along with that, you know, the talent reputation here, is um, we have really good talent represent- representation, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know. It just it don't feel like the network televisions trust the Portland actors to come in and be principals. 
So most of the time, you know, 90% of the time we're like day players. Mm-hmm. We go in, have a day on, on the TV show, and then we're done, you know, because they can't bring us back. Right. So um, it's very limited there. And I think that's the, the drawback from people being able to get out and really pursue what they want to because they spend most of their time, you know, just sustaining it. And, I mean, it seems to me from learning a little bit about you that you've done a pretty good job of trying to create opportunity and create connections within Portland for people. One of the ways that you're doing that is through the Portland Film and Networking event. The Portland Film and Networking event started off as the wine, Portland Film, film and Wine event. And we started off at this little winery off William Street, a little tasting room. Mm-hmm. And my idea was... Hey, let's let's come in, hang out, watch some locally made films, you know, from locally made filmmakers, mm. indie films. You know, they can come share their work, and we sit down and you know show thirty minutes to forty five minutes of of short films. And um, the first event, we had about sixty people show up. Wow! On the first event, oh my goodness! And this place was uh, it was small, you know, a little quaint, little little tasty room. Mm. So uh, the next event, over a hundred people. Wow. The next event, you know, about 120, 25 people. And so it kept growing to where we outgrew that place so fast. Yeah. And they didn't want us to leave, right? I'm sure. <laughs> and, and I decided, I'm like, well, we're not doing this, you know, doing this event any justice, you know. And um, and so we moved down to the Spirit of 77, mm-hmm. which is a big, it's a big sports bar primarily. Okay. And, and what I need for the event, I want to share people's work and also allow people to network. Um, I find it. I found it successful because people have done this kind of thing before, mm-hmm. but most of the time they you go into a cinema or a theater and you go sit in a quiet room and look at a screen, in a mm-hmm. dark room, look at a screen. That's your focus. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to really network that way. Uh, people seem to like the, the open atmosphere, even while they're looking at film, so they can all feed off each other's energy. Absolutely. And the filmmakers love it too because they get to look around and see reactions, you know, and not just sitting in a dark room. So I think that's I think that's the appeal for the filmmakers, definitely. And then you got the networking piece, which, mm-hmm. you know, I allow plenty of time for people to, to get in and share business cards and, you know, talk about what they do and what they have to offer to the community. And and it's also transitioned to more of a not religious, but I call it kind of like a church, mm-hmm. you know, where the the congregation, the people there can can share what's going on in their world, mm-hmm. um, come outside of their silos, because um, a lot of um, a lot of film producers are used to having they know a circle of actors, mm-hmm. and they go to those same actors, but you know, there's a lot more talent out there, and they can get what they want if they reach out a little bit further. Absolutely. So I want it, you know, it allows these people to come out, come in and actually see and uh, get to know other people that's in the industry. Are the films premiering and the filmmakers are showing? It depends. It depends. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> some some people premiere their films. Mm-hmm. I suggest that it shouldn't be the place to premiere it mm-hmm. because it's not absolutely quiet. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not in a theater that's, you know, made for that, right, specifically for showing film. Right. Uh, the environment, for me, can't be a theater. So um, so they filmmakers are very meticulous about their product. So mm-hmm. um, I let them know, hey, it's going to be an open atmosphere. So there's going to be some slight distractions. <laughs> They're not going to be glued to the film. You know, um, 
and the sound quality isn't the best. Right. You know, so it's more casual. But uh, we started this awards ceremony, the indie film and networking awards ceremony. Oh, that's great. Um, we had the first one this past, back in February, right along with the Oscars. <laughs> and uh, to qualify for that, you have to, the film had to be made within the last three years. Okay. But we'll still play anybody's stuff, right? It's the community, and if you have some work you've done you want to share. I heard that you had an event focusing on women in film. My observation mm-hmm. <laughs> is that um, there's no, there's very little diversity here in Portland. Yeah. Uh, and when it comes to making film, it's the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing a documentary on minority winemakers right now oh. in Oregon, mm-hmm. and uh, which has gotten a lot of press. But, you know, that's a... That's a white male industry primarily, dominated by white male. Um, so, you know, uh, I wanted to start to di- diversify mm-hmm. the events and bring some film forward, filmmakers that are not just the white male. You know, we started with the women's films, which was a huge success. I collaborated with um, uh, the Cooch the Collective. Mm-hmm. It's the name of the female group. And... We came together and they helped organize and put a great event together. And we had some great films, you know, some of the best ones, I think, this year. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the m- movie that you're working on. Yeah, um, so my, my business partner, his name is Bertoni Faustin. Mm-hmm. He owns the Abbey Creek Wineries out in North Plains. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came to me, you know, about winemaking. And uh, he was telling me his story. He's like, we should probably make a documentary about you know, about <laughs> your story, you know, and um, you know, like, hey, let's do it. You know, we went out and identified uh, other winemakers who are minority. Mm-hmm. You know, because the industry is challenging. You know, for just like filmmaking, for instance, out here, yeah, it's challenging. Um, a lot of people don't know about winemakers who aren't white male. You know, and uh, historically with wine, it's the same cycle. You know, since the prohibition, the the big wineries are the ones that continue on. They have the vineyards, very beautiful landscapes. You go out, get your glass of wine, and twirl the wine, and drink the wine, <laughs> and and you like to be in that environment, and that's what mm-hmm. people know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he came with this idea of a documentary, and we decided to go ahead and make it, and um, we got the winemakers together and we see that their venues are different. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily a lot of land because these people don't don't have the land or the landscape. It's not passed down to them, oh, wow. you know. So yeah. so the venues are much smaller, but but it's like a, a season into the to the industry. Mm-hmm. So Bertoni's a Haitian winemaker here, and um, he has the Crick is what he call it. Mm-hmm. It's a small little tasting room, and um, just last night he had a Southern wine and dinner. Oh, that sounds good. And um, he did it luau style with the, they had a whole pig that they oh actually roasted. And um, he had a tap dancer out there tap dancing <laughs> and some music. And you sit in the back and it's like you out on a patio somewhere out in Georgia, Savannah, Georgia. That sounds amazing. You know, yeah. And everybody's, you know, well, a lot of people were dressed up. You know, it's really casual too. But, um, you know, he shared his wines and, and everybody have a good time with music. So... It's a whole different perspective on the industry. And that's kind of, it's almost the same thing in line with what I'm talking about with the film industry. It's almost the same thing. Yeah. And people, you know, have heard about that story, uh, which is going to be called Red, White, and Black, the Oregon Wine Story. But 
people have heard about it and um and they're interested. Like, wow, I didn't know there were minority winemakers here. Yeah, absolutely. So we have Bertoni Faustin, who's Haitian. We have um Jesus Guillen, who's um Hispanic. Mm-hmm. We have um Remy of uh, Remy Wines. She uh she's a part of the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. And we have Jared, who's a part of the LGBT community. He's black male. Mm-hmm. Uh, Remy's Remy's white female, so so we kind of across it's, the board, yeah, and we have Andre Mack, who's he's more national. His wines are more national, but he operates here out of Portland, mm-hmm. and um, he's black male. So that's, uh, that's where we're starting with. That's that's great. Yeah. And then were they connected to each other before, or were they? No, no, no. Um, they made the connections. We've been shooting for the past year since mm-hmm. Harvest last year, and um, now we just they just came out with a collaboration wine called the Red, White, and Black. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And um, the plan is to, because we are 90% done with production, mm-hmm. um, I want to bring it full circle. So, we, you know, keep your eyes open. We're planning to have a big minority wine event. Oh, wonderful. Here in the heart of Portland. That's great. And I, I like to bring, you know, winemakers, as many as we can find. We've only identified a few here in Oregon. Mm-hmm. But I want to bring as many winemakers together who are minority and, um, and maybe food caterers and, and have a big event that's outside the box. And I think it has to happen in the center of Portland, mm-hmm. in the whitest city in America, yeah, right? Absolutely. I think it has to happen there. And I know Portland people will support it. That's that's the good thing about Portland. Yeah. that's. I mean, the, I mean it is, it's a unique thing about Portland. It mm-hmm. is the whitest city in the country, but it's also it's a very kind of, you know accepting city in its own It seems ways. like it. it really feels that way. That's why I'm comfortable doing something like that. And I mm-hmm. think it's really important. Um, now's the time to kind of send the message that, hey, there's black winemakers out here, you yeah. know, and and I'm trying to do the same thing with the film industry. So in, in the, on this specific issue, you know, like social media has played a really powerful role in the last couple of years in kind of broadcasting mm-hmm. the fact that these issues exist, like hashtags like Oscar, so white. Social media has brought, brought about awareness of a lot of things mm-hmm. in this country where people can share their experiences and what they see. Uh, you know, with the social issues that's going on with the police, you know, everything has been presented, brought forward, you know, because most of the, most of what was happening in these incidents, they were masked and mm-hmm. covered up. And it's been like that forever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, over the past 20 years, you know, I remember 20 years ago, it was a huge problem, right, uh, that was presented with Rodney King. Right. You know, because the media, they had a tape. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, Wow. This is going on, you know, in the world. You know, it became a big deal. Absolutely. And so now everybody's got tape. Yeah. Everybody's got cameras, and you know everything's been masked. Hey, keep the cameras away. Mm-hmm. You know, you see a video camera. You know, they used to be huge and bulky. Yeah. <laughs> they stand out, so it's like they can keep the cameras away. Now they can't. And so when it's feeling like when it was feeling like, hey, this issue is kind of gone. You know, and then now. It's, it's like slapping us in the face, like, wake up, wake up, wake up. Yeah. And and nothing's changed. Yeah. Nothing's changed. And it's harder to mask it. And so now we have some issues to deal with. Um, so for social media, um, even here in Portland, you know, it allows, it's a, a great um, vehicle to share, you know, whatever's going on for these winemakers, you know. Yeah. People never knew about them. And now through the press, you know, people know about them. And they're getting more business. You know, people are coming out and they get a different perspective on the industry. Yeah. The modern wine culture 
is what they're calling it. Mm-hmm. And the modern wine culture is a lot of the younger millennials, younger generations, they're into wine, mm-hmm. but they want to go to a lounge, kick back, listen to some good music, you know, yeah. and eat some good food and have a good time and not, you know, go to a vineyard and just, you know, sit out there and look at the view. Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference now. So, um, and these, these minority winemakers are, are offering, you know, a different outlook on the industry. Yeah. And I mean, unfortunately, it's for a lot of people in the white community, it might not even necessarily occur to them that they haven't even thought about whether there are people of color making wine and just even talking about it and saying that, it's, you know, they could say, oh, my gosh, I'd never even considered that. Um, so that visibility is I think it's important, at least as far as I can tell. Yeah, um, it was brought to my attention from the Oregon Wine Historical Wine Archive, mm-hmm. which is out in McMinnville. Uh, we, I went and visited them and got some history, you know. And, uh, and even they are like, it'd be nice when this documentary gets done, because it'd be nice to, to hear something different. Because since the Ponzi family and all these guys yeah. that have been doing wine forever, they're like, um, it's nice to get a different perspective on what's going on in the world with wine. So. It's not a secret that there is a shocking lack of diversity. In film. None at all. No, it's not, not a secret. Yep. As soon as you get off the plane. It's, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> for sure. Um, so, how does I'm, I'm, I'd love to hear a little bit about like how that Im- imbalance manifests in your experience as someone who is now operating on all sides of the camera. Well, um, I, I think it's I think it's a challenge because. You know, most of the film writers, you know, there's a perspective. I call it the Portland perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And the Portland perspectives, to me, is different from the rest of America mm-hmm. when it comes to film. Uh, it took me a while to get used to to majority of the writing. Mm-hmm. seems to be um, kind of going down one road. A lot of it's comedy, quirky comedy, right. uh, primarily happy films, or... It switches all the way to horror or zombie type stuff. Interesting. In the indie film community, that's what I've noticed. A lot of the the submissions are leaned towards that way. But when they make the films, you know, you don't see much. You know, the actors and talent all look the same, pretty much. You know. Yeah. And and in the writing, uh, all the actors, pretty much, the characters, talk the same way. Right. You know, it's like okay, a black man from Atlanta is the character, but he's talking like he's from Southeast Portland. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, the, the diversity is not, it, the lack of diversity is not only on what's on the screen. Exactly, it, exactly. Sense. It starts from ground zero. Yeah. And, and it's the Portland perspective, though, as a writer. You know, if you lived in some other city that's really diverse and you used to being around people, uh, a diverse group of people, it'd be easier for you to relate a little bit to it, especially if you got a diverse group of friends. Yeah, absolutely. That you hang around. But if you if it's not like that, if there's very limited color or diversity, then you know you're going to go down on one one road track, right? So, and that's what I that's why I've witnessed over the past couple of years. I've watched a lot of films, you know, coming directly from Portland, and uh, a lot of the artists, you know, and the writers, they they write a lot alike, yeah. You know, and that's my observation, uh, which is challenging. As an actor, um, I get a script, and they tell me, "Hey, we want you to play." This guy from Atlanta, Georgia, 
You know, I look at the script and I'm like, well, a guy from Atlanta, Georgia don't talk like that. Yeah. <laughs> or his demeanor isn't carried that way, mm-hmm. you know. And um, if you have a, a writer who's very meticulous about a script, I, it'll be a challenge for me. And I would have to say, no, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I have to go in at the dialogue to what we need for that character. And, you know, any black character, you know, as a black male character, I can definitely represent and a lot of scripts don't have that. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of writers writing for me as an actor. So I have to get out there and go make it. Yeah. Make it myself a lot of times here in Portland. I can't rely on that. Um, and it's the same, I think it's the same way across the board for a lot of people. So, you know, when I, after a while, you know, I'm starting to kind of get frustrated mm-hmm. um, looking at the films and, and the lack of diversity in them. There's some great films, but I just don't feel like they're going anywhere. You know, yeah. because, you know, most of America is not going to relate to that. Like, whoa, where are they at? You know, yeah. what world are they in, you know? And, it's, and there's an actual world. It's Portland. <laughs> but you can't, you can't, you know, write a script and portray that you somewhere else, you know, and expect people to buy it, you know? Do you end up, do you end up feeling sort of responsible, like, that in a way that is weird for you when you go on a set, like, reading a character to sort of have to prove, you know, to read it and be like, this is not this is not accurate and like everyone else is sort of like this this feels right to us and yeah. you're like yeah. no I, I feel like I feel like you know at the level I'm at as an actor I can speak up yeah. you know when you first go into it you just do what everybody tell you yeah. to do <laughs> now I can speak up a little bit and I can say hey this is not gonna work you know and I, I can give my input you know so I feel like it's my responsibility to enlighten a little bit um, you know even in the community I feel like it's a great opportunity to open some eyes, you know, and mm-hmm. share some a different outlook on things, you know, with people that are used to, you know, working with each other in one small circle. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, is there a com- I mean, is there a community of color that's like working on film in Portland? That is, are they all spread out, or are there like people that are like really collaborating with each other? That's just kind of more separate, or well, you know, I, I only know a handful of, um, you know. Minority filmmakers, mm-hmm. I only know a handful because um, they don't necessarily come out to the events. Um, there's no connection in a lot of ways, yeah. you know. So, you know, um, there's no, I don't know of any group of filmmakers that get together mm-hmm. that are of color. I think this event's going to be kind of um, a milestone, you know, because I'm getting all these names that's coming up out of everywhere now that I never would have known, you know, and... I think it's going to be a huge milestone for the community, and it's and um, it's something I want to I want to push. I want to just make the event just a blend of, of beautiful color for people, and everybody just get together and and the, the film producers and directors that want that black actor mm-hmm. or that Hispanic actress that they're there yeah. for them to see and know, because most of the time the excuse is you know there's no black actors here, right? So. You know, or no you know people of color. Uh, my film that um, I just finished producing a film that's actually out in the film film festival circuit called Angela's Sacred Heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, my cast was really diverse. But I had to, I had to reach out to, I even went to the um, the stage actors mm-hmm. to find the talent. There's a lot of, you know, colorful stage actors here <laughs> that are extremely talented. All you got to do is pull them back. You got to pull them back, you know, because yeah. they're performers. Awesome. But they oh, come right. prepared. They know their lines. <laughs> they come prepared. <laughs> And it's like, okay, we don't have to worry about that element. I just have to focus as a director, like, hey, 
be subtle, be natural. <laughs> yeah, they're, you know? they're not back there. They're right here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, you have to you have to reach out and stretch a little bit, but there are people out there. And Do you have any thoughts on how filmmakers here can work to increase diversity? Yeah, I think... Um, <clears throat> I think collaborating with trying to find other filmmakers, a talent, creative people, and to bring them into whatever your project may be, even as a voice, mm -hmm. um, almost like a consultant in a sense, you know, I think that's the best thing to do, you know, just get, get some different perspective. I mean, people of color, you know, you're talking to Asian community, African-American, Hispanic, you know, it's all over the board, you know, and... Mm -hmm. I think it's important for writers if they want to, they want a script that's gonna expand, you know, step over the walls a little bit. That they should bring someone in who has a different perspective. You know, when you, when the script's done, yeah, you go out and you find the talent to do a table read, mm -hmm. and allow that talent to give input, be mm -hmm. open, have an open mind, mm -hmm. and allow them to give the feedback. So that that table read is really important mm -hmm. because. You know, your script's done, you've written it, you have an idea for the character, you describe the character to the talent and let them flow and flourish with the character to allow the feedback, you know, mm -hmm. you need to get what you need for the for the character. Is there anything on, like, the subject of diversity? I know that it's so vast, but is there anything on the subject that you wish you heard said more often? I was down in Atlanta when, um, when um, the series... You know, we had like two or three incidents with cops mm -hmm. in, in black males, mm -hmm. um, you know, being shot and killed by police officers. Um, you know, I, I got emotional, you know. I got really emotional because, you know, my, my concern for my son. You know, I, have, I actually have two kids. I have a 22-year-old son mm -hmm. who's in the Marines. Mm -hmm. And he's young. He's down in Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, you know, I got emotional because I'm afraid for him you know, if if you can shoot someone who's unarmed, yeah. you know, and uh, and the way it seems that the police manipulate the situation, like the one when they shot the guy directly in his chest, yeah, and his camera happens to fall off. Mm -hmm. You know, if it wasn't for the store owner doing it, we would have never seen it, right? Yeah. You know, uh, you know, they can cover a lot. You know, and I'm glad that people have cameras to be able to show what's really going on. But um, I was emotional. I was really emotional. Some of my friends, my white friends, mm -hmm. called me up concerned, you know, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, and you know, people that care, um, you know, they don't know what to do. You know, um, it's like, hey, I'm a white man and I feel bad. It's not for you to feel bad because it's not you. But, you know, historically this country, this has been going on forever in this country. You know, this country, you know, I love America. I was in the military, but, you know, we operate backwards sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's hard to understand. But um, I guess I guess one thing I would share is, you know, um, it's everyone's responsibility. This is our country. So, you know, the peaceful thing to do is to actually get out and be a voice. You know, go to these protests. Mm-hmm. You know, be a part of the protest, you know. Um, that's the best thing you can do because Dr. Martin Luther King did that peaceful protest. And there were white people there. Yeah. I think I think today there would be a lot more white people there. Um, I think it's everybody's responsibility to, to go to one. Absolutely. You know, this is an issue in this country, so be a voice.
So have there been any movies or TV shows or productions that have done a good job, in your opinion, of sort of disrupting the status quo? I think um, a lot of the major film productions that I've been on have embraced that. You have to have a diverse cast, cast the right person mm-hmm. for the role versus, you know, hey, let's get a white male and, and you know, make them darker to be an Egyptian. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Indie <laughs> uh, film production is totally different, though. <laughs> yeah, I can, indie films I can are, are different, but I, I think there's progress definitely in the mm-hmm. film world. The diversity is getting there, and and continue to be a voice when you see something that's not right, or you don't agree with it. Just be a voice. I think everyone's entitled to say how they feel. Everyone's entitled to do that. Do you have any advice for aspiring actors or directors or producers here in Portland? Depends on what your goal. If your mm-hmm. goal is to to be in indie films, have fun, then, you know, Portland's a great place to do that. But if you want to sustain a living, you got to spread your wings and and go visit other markets for now. You know, hopefully 10 years from now, Portland will have the infrastructure to support that, but right now I don't. So, you know, if you want to do follow your dreams, go to Seattle. They have a great commercial market up there. Go and get some different, you know, perspective on the industry that way. Um, branch off to LA, not too fast, <laughs> not too fast because it's a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get down at least network and meet some people if you can. And right now, you know, I'm I've been visiting Atlanta a lot, mm-hmm. so I just got an agent with Atlanta in Georgia. So I'm looking forward to being, getting some work out there. Mm-hmm. That's great. So spread your wings, follow your dreams. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jerry. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you this morning. Thank you, Molly. Our guest today is actor, director, and producer Jerry Bell Jr. For more information about the Portland Film Networking event and Jerry's upcoming film, Red, White, and Black, visit jbjrproductions.com. If you enjoyed this week's episode, you can subscribe on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or visit us at theportlandfilmpodcast.com. The Portland Film Podcast is a Portland Film Festival production, produced and edited by Misty Eddy, our associate producer is Sean Conley, sound engineer Paul Dillon, and I'm Molly Silverstein. See you next time.